Hello, hello, this is Shiraz Ahmed back at it again with another bite-sized episode of the Crypto Valley Association podcast. Let's discover together the growing trends of this fast-moving space and try to shed some light on the mysteries it contains. We are joined today by Arnaud Salomon, founder and CEO of Montpellerin, who are building the infrastructure for tomorrow's finance and are claimed to be the first company in Switzerland to issue shares in the form of digital tokens. So let's dive straight into the hidden world of digital finance. Arnaud, how is everything with you today? Hi, Charles. Nice to be with you today. Thank you. Yes, and it's wonderful to have you here uh, as well. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit to begin with your, about your first encounter with blockchain technology? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was with Bitcoin. I believe the first time I've heard about Bitcoin was in 2011. It was a colleague of mine who actually told me about it when it passed the $1 level. And um, it was interesting, but I didn't pay too much, att- too much attention at the time. And then I kind of, you know, uh, forget about it for like almost a year. Mm-hmm. And then in 2012, it was with another friend from school where I, for whatever reason, we started to discuss about Bitcoin. And then we started to research on the terrace of a cafe about Bitcoin and discussing and exchanging. And then we ended up late at night at his place, drinking and searching more. And uh, from there, it was, uh, yeah, it became a love story. <laughs> But uh, it's good to hear. We always feel like it's uh, our more geeky friends that get us involved into the technology and then we partner up with them to, to make something True. bigger. And so is it from that uh, that Montpellerin was born? Not really. So here I was still working within a company as a regular employee. But then somehow, obviously, you know, like I started my career back in 2008 in the middle of the, the crisis, the subprime crisis. And I started my career as, as a junior trader. So I was always asking questions, you know, around what is money? Why does it bear an interest rate? Why is it centrally planned and not decided by the market and all those things? Yeah. So mm-hmm. for me, obviously, these were important topics in my life, but at the same time, I already had a job, etc. But at some point, we started uh, with a friend of mine, we started to work on a side deal. We started a company, a commodity trading company, and it started to generate me enough time to think about other things. And that's how pretty much Montpellier was born. Originally, it was just an idea. And to be honest, it really, really started back in 2017. Okay, great. And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what Montpellier does and the role that it has within this growing industry. Yeah, sure. So Montpellier is today very specialized into asset tokenization. We've built something that we are quite proud of, technically speaking, which is called a bridge protocol. It's basically a rule engine and a user registry that runs on Ethereum that allows to enrich any ERC-20 in order to remain compliant with securities law. So the idea is really to get rid of the so-called whitelist that is used today by security tokens to tackle the secondary market problem. And here, the bin- it's very binary, right? So like a whitelist, it's either you're in or you're out. And you have to be in this whitelist before you can even own such a token. So it's not really, there is not that much granularity into it. What we came up with is a framework to replicate the exact regulatory rules that exist today and that banks and financial institutions are applying to themselves centrally and to be able to apply that on the token. And the token being the technological vehicle. So the token is just a technological vehicle that you can program. And what really matters is the underlying asset that you're incorporating into this token. 
So if the asset is under MIFID rules, you have to make sure that the owner of such token has the correct risk profile. Yeah? He's a risk averse, risk taker, is he financially savvy enough, et cetera, et cetera. So the, you can put a list of rules so you can restrict the transferability based on amount, amount over a rolling period of time. You can put thresholds where transactions on, on chain are post yeah. and trigger mm-hmm. a notification to the back office of the issuer so that he can document, for example, the origin of the fund, the economical context to comply with the AML rules, etc., etc. But the beauty of it is that you can create a realm, meaning that within this realm, you aggregate the compliance view over multiple tokens issuance. Yeah? So that means that, mm-hmm. for example, if you issue a euro token and a Swiss franc token, it doesn't mean that it should double up the limit of each and every customer. Yeah? So that's the point mm-hmm. of the, um, the, the bridge protocol. That is actually to really, the goal of that is at some point to be able to bring the entire balance sheet of a financial institution in real time on the blockchain. Yeah? And uh, the idea obviously is very simple, is that people can take delivery of those financial assets, which are contracts, onto their own addresses, etc., and they can freely trade within this decentralized ecosystem. So this is this is our view. Okay. Okay. And see, and so following that point, so if I understood correctly, do you create personalized rules then or groupings for each uh, in investor or each person on your uh, platform that's using the protocol or is this grouped up into multiple different tiers so it, basically it's flexible yeah so you can do whatever you want as an issuer so we have okay. a front end issuer can do it for free so it's an open source thing so meaning that they can go on the front end they can if you know for example if to tokenize shares of a company this is a very simple straightforward process uh, mm-hmm. that costs like almost zero. I mean, to be honest, it's a very cheap process to tokenize a Swiss company today. It's a control C, control V event. And on this front end, you can actually go, you can put the name of your company, the symbol, and then you can say like, okay, I want to create lot one, which is a private sale. So it's like 10,000 shares at five francs. And then you can create a public sale from this date to this date at six francs or something like that. You click on generate, you plug a trezor. So this is where you manage the operational keys. You validate mm-hmm. and within 15 blocks, it deploys everything. So technically speaking, it's okay. like very easy and straightforward. Obviously, mm-hmm. you can add rules because at the end of the day, depending. So here we talk about shares. So shares mm-hmm. in Switzerland, it, the beautiful thing is that we can make it freely transferable. I mm-hmm. can explain you why later on, but we can make it freely transferable. But sometimes some entrepreneur, they like to add some rules on specific lot of shares, for example, because they are binded under a shareholder agreement now. Yes. And therefore, you need the tag-alone, drag-alone rights. Maybe you have some mm-hmm. specific conditions in the contract with these specific investors, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Um, so this is where you can actually add the rules, the, the, the transferability rules, and uh, also allow, for example, to give back the ownership to someone who has lost access to his shares. Yeah? So somehow mm-hmm. in the regulated world, it's not because you delete your wallet that you're, that you're not a shareholder anymore. So we mm-hmm. should have to offer the opportunity for those people to get back ownership, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That's definitely quite revolutionary in, in the space. Maybe you can tell our audience a little bit more about what all this hype is about because there's been so much hype over the past couple of months, even years about security tokens. Would, would you like to delve into that a little bit? Yeah, obviously. I mean, at the end of the day, again, every banking assets, every financial assets are contracts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the idea of incorporating it into financial contracts, at least to make the simple rules of those contracts to automate the life cycle of it, uh, mm-hmm. makes totally sense. If you look at it as a trading company, for example, or as a bank or, or as yes. any type of institution, 
you actually do not trust any other parties in the market. And therefore, you run your own ledger. And everyone mm -hmm. runs their own ledger. That means yes. that for one trader, which is the center of profit, you have 10 center of cost. Middle office, back office, risk reporting, settlement, netting, confirmation, reconciliation. And all those departments exist simply because you need to reconcile those ledgers. And that's why it takes time to have the settlement, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what we try to teach as well institutions is that if they agree on the modelization of such a contract, not in their own core banking system, but within the form of a smart contract, actually, mm -hmm. you can program to have uh, trading and settlement happening at the same time. But you can also decide not to, to have like maybe a delay of six hours because you want to have nettings among participants, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, whatever you think of can be actually kind of pulled, you know? So, I mean, like the resources of the back office can now be shared amongst the participants and reduce drastically the operational cost for institutions. And that's why it makes really sense. And on top of it, obviously, with all those compliance rules that you can add, you can broaden up the accessibility to such assets directly to the end user, to the crowd, without having to go through those investment banks, without having to go through investment advisor, family offices, etc. So it's really mm -hmm. a way to democratize access to existing assets. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you spoke about the bridge protocol. What other applications have you brought out on top of that? Is there anything new that you're yeah, looking I mean, uh, Obviously, I mean, the bridge protocol is a geeky thing. It's a set of small contracts. So the idea <laughs> right now is to have tools on top of it that can interact with the bridge protocol. So obviously, as I told you, there are the front ends for the issuer. We are creating a cockpit for any company to manage. Actually, it's captable on chain. Okay. Uh, to trigger the corporate actions events that the company needs, such as you know, mm -hmm. paying dividends, triggering votes, as well as you know having some events like stock split or capital increase or whatever. You know, so we're creating really the digital cockpit for any uh -huh. AG, SA, Swiss company to manage the capital on chain in a very easy way. Uh, even like you know, if you want to give shares to employees, but you want to have a vesting period over it because you don't want them to leave the next day, you give them shares, so you have maybe a three-year vesting period and. That the, or even cliff and things like that. So you can yes. put pretty much all the rules you want. And it's really creating this cockpit for the entrepreneurs to manage its, his capital on chain. And really for us, it's a game-changing thing because when you blur the line by having like the newly formed startup to have shares that can be distributed to the crowd, that can be traded peer-to-peer -peer versus the publicly listed companies such as Nestle and Novartis that obviously have a quote on their shares, but done by the, uh, the six exchange. Here, you can have the same thing happening on the newly formed startup. And the entrepreneur mm -hmm. also by fundraising through the crowd is also an interesting aspect because the crowd is not only your contributor, it's also becoming your ambassador. You know? And as a newly formed project, it's very interesting to have a crowd of people that are actually behind the company, spreading the word to their friends, to their families, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a really triple win situation here. So now mm -hmm. we are creating also new front ends for the end user. Yeah? So we have come up with a wallet, mm -hmm. which is a very traditional, simple wallet. Huh? It's an ERC-20 compatible wallet. Obviously, we have enriched it with the functionalities of the bridge protocol so that it becomes human readable you know, for the user when they have to give some information about this and that or to pass the KYC, the onboarding process. They can choose to do it with Montpellier or with other providers, depending on mm -hmm. the issuer who has chosen you know, which compliance oracle he wants to use. Mm -hmm. Everybody can be a compliance oracle. So we have enriched that 
to have the life cycle management easy on the customer on the end user way and what we did like a couple of weeks ago was to run our first annual general meeting so this mm -hmm. is the general assembly where the board meets the investors and explain the numbers and present the annual report Uh, mm -hmm. present the plans for the future as well as doing the uh, the votes yeah such as do you accept the uh, the financials the, the annual report as well as the election of the board etc etc and yes. we did that into the wallet itself meaning that people would click <laughs> on the mps token so the mps is the mobile hand shares mm -hmm. and they would access to a virtual room so it was a live stream directly within the wallet so mm -hmm. i was the one as the president of the company to present all the numbers and the annual report and everything and then conducted the vote directly on the blockchain depending on the amount of shares you own yeah so you have a power of voting depending on the amount you have and on yeah. each and every topic people could vote directly on the blockchain so the blockchain was not used just as a proxy to record the vote but it was really the voting system onto the blockchain and we did that to prove that actually you can run fully digitally the company today and yes. there is no more obstacles to as an entrepreneur to not use that tool anymore Mm -hmm. Well, it's the digitalization of everything practically. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and so do you see more companies moving to that side where they're able to use blockchain really in their everyday lives? To be honest, it's still early stage today. Yeah? So there is still a lot of education around blockchain. Uh, some people still confuse blockchain with cryptocurrencies and some people even like tend to associate it to darknet and bad things. And, you know, there are still... You know, it will take a little bit more time until it, uh, we are absolutely sure that within 15 years time, 10 years time, it will be the norm. And even companies in Switzerland, when the company will incorporate, it will incorporate directly onto the blockchain. Today, that's not the case. Obviously, today, companies are created traditionally, and then you can incorporate your shares into tokens. But in the future, we believe it will be so much the norm that even the uh, commercial registries will offer that possibility. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you mentioned, so to have the global adoption of blockchain technology, we need to go via education. And to do so, you mentioned that it's time factor, right? So we just need more time to go by five, 10 years. But do you believe that there are other factors that can help the educational side? Is there anything that other companies or is there even stuff that Montpellerin is doing to further educate these audiences? Yeah. And I believe that the, the right direction today is... Uh, Uh, simplification. So the education will come through simplification because today the barrier to entry is high for a lot of people. You know, like if I take my mother and I tell them, look, I have a wallet here, you can have stable coins and you can pay in tokenized dollar, euro, whatever, <laughs> and can even invest in bitcoins uh, every month a little bit and this and that. It's fine, you know, she might understand, but at the end of the day, when she will download the wallet and then <laughs> she will realize that if she does something wrong, she can lose everything. And mm. there is a lot of simplicity to go around that now. That's why there is also a need to have regulated financial institutions to bridge the gap here and to offer really this bridge. That's why we call it bridge, right? So our view here is that it's important to bridge the two worlds Uh, mm -hmm. The traditional world that, as we know it, it's called IBANs, you know, the traditional bank accounts, yes. as well as the blockchain world where it's called addresses. At the end, the two things are the same. It's a routing system. And now, you know, by bringing those two into a single wallet, which is what we're doing now with the bridge protocol, Uh, mm -hmm. with the bridge wallet, sorry. It's really what we believe the way forward. And then abstracting the notion of keys management mm -hmm. and backups, etc. So 
Obviously, we want to encourage people to be fully decentralized, meaning not your keys, not your assets. So owning their own keys on their own device is important. Yes. But at the same time, offering a secure backup by an institution that is like bank grade or that has mm. really good processes and to obviously better than, it, than the single user is also a must. Okay. And so when you talk about bridging the gap between technology and the everyday individual do you mean in a centralized way so with a central entity as you said that has bank level custodianship or even interface or do you believe that the decentralized approach could work as well no i mean the idea is to have both yeah so mm-hmm. there are gateways there are gateways that are centralized and the idea is to have all those gateways to work on a decentralized ecosystem, meaning that people can choose to use one gateway or another, to use mm-hmm. one company or another, etc., etc. And at the end of the day, people could choose to delegate the key management to several of those actors in order to split the risk, etc., etc. So it's really decentralization is not only about smart contract, which obviously mm-hmm. is strongly encouraged. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, if we can have company to bridge the traditional world with the blockchain world, yes. that's obviously centralized. Yeah? But this is mm-hmm. required and needed in order to bring on board those people to the decentralized world, to be able to swap euro for dollar in a tokenized way, in a swap of the thumb. Mm-hmm. And you know, in order to bring the people into that ecosystem, we need to have those, those bridges. Okay, I see. And, and so you spoke about five, 10 years down the line. Where do you see the future of the blockchain space headed then? That's a very good question. I do not have the crystal ball, but to be honest, what we hope is that it will be an, a rail, let's call it this way, a rail that is used by financial institutions in order to exchange assets. Yeah, that's what we believe. Uh, that's what we want to achieve also, to really be able to have the choice to swap assets on different rails, yeah? whether it's uh, different blockchain rails, yeah? it can be on Ethereum, on any other type competitor to Ethereum, but also on the traditional way with central registered and, the, you know, like in, for example, for securities, it's called ISIN, you know, like the ISIN number, it's like yes. uh, the address of, of an asset uh, on chain. And actually, you can bridge those two worlds. Yeah? And that's really here where we believe that the financial institutions have a lot to gain by adopting this technology, but obviously it will come only if there is an agreed standard. And today the problem is that there are so many initiatives everywhere, everyone coming with their own way of doing things, and somehow there is also the ego of the institutions, all of them wants to push their own solutions. So we need to find a way to have a proper interoperability amongst all those initiatives, but I believe that we will get there in the future. Okay, well, I hope so too, and I'm quite confident that we will. And maybe one other element, so you spoke about the financial institution side, and of course, you you are a thought leader within that specific sector, but do you see any other sectors being disrupted in the future by blockchain technology? Hmm, That's a a good question. Yeah, I mean, you see that everywhere. There are initiatives to tokenize art, there are initiatives to tokenize uh, cars, there are initiatives to tokenize collectibles in general, uh, as well as obviously real estate. Uh, the example of reality is beautiful. You know, what reality mm-hmm. have achieved, to be honest, this is amazing because they were the first one to actually have tokenized real estate and they're still yes. the only one today. 
And because all the other ones that we see today on the market that came, oh, we did tokenize this and we did uh, tokenize that in Luxembourg or this and that. And at the end of the day, all those guys achieved is to issue an ERC token that is owned by three people. And uh, <laughs> they were, you know, the issuer were friends with the buyer and they yes. all make a big event in the, in the press and the news about yeah, <laughs> we did that. But at the end of the day, Excel would do a better job, you know, if it's only limited mm. to your friends and, you know, copy pasting basically the trades you've always mm. done with them since 20 years yes. and now claiming there is a token in the middle. What <laughs> Realty has achieved is really democratization. So what they have today is a crowd of people owning houses and they receive yield and yield is paid on a daily basis. And this is really like, you know, they are really thinking forward, you know, not, not replicating mm -hmm. only thing, you know, that we know today, but really to push it further, you know, like to stream the, the cash flow to the owner of the asset, etc. Yeah, that's definitely another great use case and there's so many to come. Well, thank you so much. It's been very, very interesting. I don't know, do you have any final words that you'd like to share um, with our audience today? Yeah, we believe that today this industry is still new, but it's worth spending a bit of time reading and educating yourself. But again, for every entrepreneur today, whether he's in the blockchain space or not, we strongly mm -hmm. encourage anyone to tokenize their shares and to manage their capital on chain. We really, today, this is something that is not complex that can be done on the legal side on the tech side it can be done in one day yeah so it's, mm -hmm. it's really very easy to do and uh, we strongly encourage everyone because you have nothing to it doesn't change everything to you it's still the same shares the people to whom you will sell it can be either the crowd or the vcs or the uh, or your friends and family or the business angel it's still the same shares so whether the technological vehicle is not Excel anymore, but it's the blockchain and to represent it by tokens, it doesn't change anything. Yeah? And now we are also bringing the next step. And this is something that we will announce in, in the middle of August. It's to be able to bridge also this two world of ISIN shares, you know, mm -hmm. the shares that can be listed on the sixth exchange or any bourse in, in, mm -hmm. in Europe, as well as having the shares in the form of tokens so that the company mm -hmm. can have shares in two forms, you know, the, really like the, the traditional financial form and the tokenized form, yeah? And the tokenized form, obviously, is you can be distributed in a broader way to directly to the public, whereas the ISIN is more through institutions and for institutions, which is also interesting because obviously family offices and some other investors, traditional investors, they want to book it in their own booking system, traditional booking systems to have the reporting and accounting to be still the same. They don't want to own tokens necessarily because they wouldn't know how to deal with that and where to store it, etc. So we can really bridge the gap today and mm -hmm. we strongly encourage everyone to start with tokenizing their company. All right. Well, get to it, right? Get to tokenizing uh, your company. I have to agree with you. I think it's a great way forward and oh, it's, it's wonderful to, to have yeah, you on. And also you. it's inexpensive. I want to stress that point because like <laughs> we heard people coming to us saying, yeah, I had a quote from this company and it was about 100K to tokenize my company. Oh, wow. We're like, what the hell, you know? So <laughs> issuing on your C20 is free. Yeah. So you can use the bridge protocol or you can use anything else. It's free. Then the, the legal setup, they can come to us. We can explain. It's going to be very cheap. The, the only thing that will take a bit of time is the update at the commercial registry because you need to add new articles in the bylaw of the company. But that's yes. it. You know, that's, that's the biggest complexity here. Okay. Well, cheap and efficient, right? It's, it's the entrepreneur's exactly. dream. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, uh, well, okay, great. Well, hopefully we were able to shed some light on the hidden world of digital finance today. And well, if you enjoyed 
this conversation, feel free to check out more on our website, cryptovalley.swiss, where we host plenty of events, educational content, and even provide information on how you can join our growing community. So thanks again, uh, Arnaud, for joining us. Um, stay tuned, stay safe, and until next time.